pastel de nata. Churros. Brigadeiro. Calzone. Apple pie. 水煮肉片. Bangers and mash. Toad in the hole. Paella. Hola, everyone. Welcome back for another episode of Turning Chickens and Breaking Dishes. My name is David Martins, and I'm the executive chef for the European Union Embassy in Washington, D.C. And according to my guest today, he likes to spread the joy and share the love, and barbecue is his means of doing so. He cooked his first whole hog when he was 11 years old at his family barbecue spot in Hemingway, South Carolina. Now, four decades later, he owns one of the country's most award barbecue spots, Rodney Scott Barbecue in Charleston, South Carolina, and also in Birmingham, Alabama. Most recently, he released the cookbook Rodney Scott World of Barbecue, Recipes and Perspectives from the Legendary Pitmaster. In 2018, he won a James Beard Award for the Best Chef in the Southeast Region. Rodney Scott, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So, you say this... And normally you like to say every day is a good day. How's your day going so far? <laughs> every day is a good day. My day is going great. I'm alive. <laughs> Two important questions. Have you ever been to Portugal? I have never been to Portugal. But you would love to. You got to say that, right? <laughs> Just say, yeah. I definitely would love to visit Portugal. That, that, do you know any Portuguese words? I don't know any Portuguese words. Do you know how, you know how to say barbecue in Portuguese? How do you say barbecue in Portuguese? Barbecue. That's all I got. It's like banana. That's it. Okay. There's no other way to say it. No, there's no other way to say it. What was like uh, for Rodney growing up in a place like Hemingway, South Carolina? What was the highlight of that small town? Um, the highlight of Hemingway, South Carolina is basically sporting events, high school sporting events mostly, baseball on Sundays. What the, that was it. It wasn't a lot to do in, in, within the area itself. It was a lot of people spending time together um, every now and again, gatherings at different houses. But the biggest highlights would probably be, you know, school events, uh, maybe a night or two out at the little local clubs. That was about it. That was already stretching, right? And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember how did it taste that hog that you cooked when you were 11 years old? Let me tell you, I do not remember that hog when I was 11. I remember when that thing flipped over and I took a look at it and saw that it wasn't burnt. And we checked to see if it was done. And I was so happy that I didn't screw up that hog. Mm -hmm. That and, and then it was time for me to start to go and get ready to go to this basketball game. And uh, I didn't care how that hog tastes after that. I was ready to go. You know, I, I didn't see the importance of barbecue at the age of 11. I was just wanting to go see this basketball game. Growing up, you started helping on your parents' farm when you were about six years old. Sometimes you would wake up at 4 a.m. and sometimes get in bed at 9, 10 p.m. Those hard and long days of work had any influence the way you approach your business or your life philosophy? Yeah, you know, growing up, waking up four in the morning to work just about all day and sometimes into the night. Yeah, definitely, you know, impacted on how I how I move around today, how I do things today, how I approach things. I learned how to stay up all night cooking hogs, of course. I learned how to be ready for any hard working day mentally by taking things one step at a time. And I still do. For example, if I know I got to do a 12 hour cook, I only go one hour at a time instead of seeing how far I got to go. I just take it one one hour at a time and it kind of makes it easy. So, you know, growing up, waking up early, you know, you had a long day. You didn't want to wear yourself out too early. 
So I kind of apply that to what I do now, everything that I do, even if it's just a road trip from one restaurant to the next, one mile at a time. Yeah, when you barbecue a whole hog, it's not exactly a two-hour process, right? You're not just there grilling yeah. some fish and you go back home. Sometimes it was an overnight thing, right? You had to prepare and actually try to be there close what you're doing for about 10 to 12 hours. Yeah, that's correct. You know, when the way that we pit cook our barbecue, it's a 12-hour process. We, you, you got to set aside at least a half a day. We all know that a day is 24 hours. So when you're about to do the whole hog pit style the way that we do it, you're looking at at least 12 hours of your time going into this cooking process. It's not quick at all. In your book, besides the wonderful recipes that you have, uh, you talk a lot about your childhood, working on your family business, and also the rough relationship that you had with your dad that carries on to this day. Why was that important for you to put it out there? I felt like to, to put my childhood working and things I didn't like as a child out there because There are other people out there that are experiencing the exact same thing and not saying anything about it. And I felt like if I said something about it, I can not only relieve the pressure off of me mentally, but the next person who picks this book up, they can understand and see that, you know, we're, we're so much alike. You know, I, I've gotten letters and calls from people saying that they struggled in their family's business, in relationships with their family through the business. There are different ideas that they're having and, and having difficulties having that conversation with family. So for me to put that out there, I felt like it was an opportunity to tell, tell everybody in those situations, it's going to be fine. Everything's going to be great. You know, you can get past this and still do anything that you want to do. And if, you know, maybe your family will never understand, but hopefully they will. Is it important or do you expect, you know, you are so successful and everybody knows your work? And you, you are one of the most respected people in your business. You get a lot of pat in the back saying like, you know, doing great. Do you still hope sometimes some of those people that you mentioned in your book come to you and be like, hey, you know, you're doing great. Or you don't, ex <laughs> or you don't expect that anymore. I don't, I don't expect the people in the book to come up to me and say that. I think they're going to recognize it from afar that I've moved on and passed the differences and situations. I think they're going to probably never say it to me directly, but say it maybe to a third party and say, well, hey, look, he's doing good or he's all right or I'm glad he, he made it past this. But um, I don't really expect them to come up to me and say it. And for me, you know, I always look for the silver lining in the dark cloud and just kind of keep it going, stay optimistic. And, and I hope that they don't be miserable or unhappy about the situations that we experience together, but just get past it as well. So the big question, uh, barbecue. I love barbecue. Imagine that someone just lands in the U.S. Imagine you're talking with this David 10 years ago. Describe the types of, the different types of barbecue in the United States. For the, and for those who don't know, you can talk a little bit more about your speciality. But just, just a little overall, because I know there's different people, there's some rivalries here and there. If you can just explain a little bit the barbecue scene in the U.S. Well, you know, the barbecue scene in the United States is, is kind of versatile. You have people doing ribs. You have people doing beef. For example, Texas is popular for beef and beef brisket when it comes to Texas barbecue. You head up to the Midwest, you'll, you'll notice that there's ribs and, and uh, beef there. There's um, also South Carolina where we have a lot of whole hog going on. And so there's different regions and different cuts that a lot of people use in different parts of the United States. Also different sauces that a lot of pit masters use. Ours is a vinegar pepper base that we use for our whole hog and 
that's our style of sauce here. And you can go to different parts of the United States and find mustard base. You can find uh, tomato base. You can find uh, molasses, all these different sauces that different regions use. So it, it, it kind of depends on where you are in the United States on what type of barbecue that you may expect from one part of the country to the next. Do you do any spice rubs on your hog or no? With our whole hog, we, we put it on fresh, no seasonings, no injections or anything. We start. And once the 12 hour hits, we start to uh, put on our Rodney's hog seasoning. And then we mop it with our Rodney sauce. That's our vinegar and pepper based sauce. And so all of our seasonings is done in the last hour of our whole hog cooking process. Our other proteins that we use, we, we put on the Rodney's rib rub first before we cook. But other than that, the whole hog is the only one that goes on fresh without any seasonings or injections. Is there any, just to be, you know, we have to be controversial a little bit. Is that any type of barbecue that you're like, mm, or no? Is there any type of barbecue? Well, I don't know, man. I'm, uh, hey, I don't know. There might be I like, like mm, I like to eat. You like, oh, yeah, like me too. Eat. But so you got, you like all of them. I, I like a lot of barbecue. Um, I'll eat more vinegar based than I would mustard. I'm more of a vinegar based person. And out of all the sauces that I've, I've tasted, um, I would say that I'm, I would lean more towards the, vinegar and pepper but there's a lot of great barbecue guys out there and girls don't get me wrong there are a lot of women cooking as well and there's a lot of great food period very talented people out there cooking barbecue i talk a lot here on the podcast you know because i like to make the comparison with portugal and the united states you guys have the whole let's grill something let's have some friends coming over the, the portugal does that a lot we, we grill a lot of fish since it's a coastal country not a whole lot you just grill the fish super fresh and that's it you we do some meats but everything's very straightforward there's no rubs there's no uh, special sauces there's nothing one of our specialities and some people might feel not offended by but they feel a little bad actually there's a specific region in portugal they only do suckling pig So they do on these, uh, you know, these pit roasts basically, and it's just spins and stays there for a few hours. And yeah. it's, it's super tender, but that's all they do. But they only serve that with like fries, salads, which is a very simple, you know, lettuce and tomato. And then they make a sauce out of the, out of the kidneys and stuff like that. But that's it. And so it's a village. They only do suckling pig. And it's like thousands of suckling pigs a day. And that's it. Have you ever tried to do something like that or normally just the, just a big hog? Usually we do big hogs whenever we're cooking. Um, I have visited other areas. Uh, I was in uh, Uruguay, South America once, and I did suckling pigs. And there have been a couple of times that I cooked some smaller suckling pigs here in the United States for different events. But um, I have done suckling pigs. It's, it's, it's a little different cook than, than it would be a whole hog because, you know, you have to be a little bit more careful. You just can't carry the same routine into the smaller pig than you would a large hog so i have done it. what is like a size of a hog normally when you do it what's normally the average of a size when you do a whole hog the the smallest hog average that we would cook is around 150 to 160 pounds and um as large i like to keep it not not too much in the 200 pound range because of our style of cooking over open pit but i like to keep them in the the 150 to the 180 range Nothing too big. I'm glad you mentioned South America because in the recent years, you've been travel and cook in places like South America, Europe, even Australia. Which techniques you believe Americans are doing that Europe doesn't have or these countries don't have in, in the reverse as well? Have you been to these places and come back like, oh, that was a good idea? 
Well, one of the things I noticed that when we went to these other countries to cook, like France and uh, in Australia, was the fact that low and slow was a was kind of a a different style of cooking for that area. I can't say that a lot of people don't do it because I've also found a lot of people in these areas that say that they have done low and slow and they enjoy it. And some people still do it on a regular, but majority of the, the, the countries I've visited, it's been more of a quick, fast cook, like a grilling technique. And, uh, that's, uh, like Australia, they, they were saying that it was like, what did they call it? It was a term that they use that was pretty much like grilling. It's real quick. And when they heard low and slow, you know, the, the next conversation was, well, I heard so-and-so does that in this part of the country or such and such is trying to do that, but not a lot of low and slow. And that would be the difference going into another country. As far as seeing them do something different than what we do here, it was pretty much all in the same realm of cooking barbecue, you know, maybe just a little different technique. Like one guy cooked his hog with the skin side down the entire time. So it's like, all depends on where you go. Plus all these young and upcoming pitmasters and chefs, they're doing great things and experimenting with different ideas. So I, I can't say that it's different, but everything is still in the same realm of what we see here in the United States. So I have one question for you. There's two people that asked some questions for today. I believe you know both, at least you know one very well. The first question is from Andrian Miller, the author. And he actually yeah. just wrote a book now about barbecue, just came out. He actually left the question for you is that who do you see as a rising star in the barbecue world? Who do I see as a rising star in the barbecue world? I see... Besides man. you, of course, Rodney. We don't have to talk about <laughs> <laughs> Matt Horn, Horn Barbecue out in, uh, in California. I see this guy coming up. I see him growing. I see him doing great things with barbecue. I see him being that next... Uh, a face that a lot of people are going to see when barbecue pops up. Yeah. This girl named Brittany out of Tampa, I've heard about and seen another young lady named Erica. These are people that I've never really thought about or heard of, but seen some of their styles and techniques on Instagram and different things. And, and these people look to be up and coming. It's, it's quite a few people. I, I meet so many up and coming pitmasters that are telling me these things that they're trying to do and, And they approach me and say hello and tell me what their styles and stuff are. And, you know, I kind of stalk them a little bit on Instagram. I'll be like, wow, look at this. Yeah. So I see, I see a lot of people coming up. Um, Matt Horn is one that, that pops up a whole lot. Perfect. You said before that you cannot teach someone how to cook a hog in a 10-minute conversation. Since this podcast normally has 30 minutes, Rodney, how do you cook a hog? <laughs> you cook a hog very patiently. <laughs> um, you... You know, cooking a whole hog, you want to be careful. You want to make sure you're in a safe area. You want to make sure you handle your food as safe as possible. You want to get your pit built. And, you know, we mentioned that in the book, how you can build a pit. And you want to put your fire under the hams and the shoulders every 10 to 15 minutes until you're able to pull a bone out of the ham or the shoulder. And when you can pull a twist the bone or pull it out, that's when you know the hog is done. Now, that's the quick version of it. But to to you can't teach somebody in 10 minutes because it's a process all of that is a process getting the fire started burning the wood down in the coals getting the pit together getting the hog prepped all of that is a process i can tell you in a minute but it takes almost you know uh, weeks of of experimenting and and, and experiencing and touching hands-on 
to really, really get this thing down pat. That's why people have to buy the book. Hey, right? Buy the books. Buy the book. Buy the exactly. Book. exactly. <laughs> Do you think the manual labor, because you did say it's a lot of work, is part of the reason sometimes why barbecue can be looked down on? Manual labor is definitely one of the biggest things a lot of people look down on barbecue for. You got all kinds of reasons. One, a whole hog is heavy. Two, all of these cinder blocks have to be shifted around, and a lot of people don't want to take that time. Three, you're looking at 12 hours of constantly firing this hog. And not to mention, if you have hair, <laughs> do you want smoke in your hair? You know, a lot of people, I don't want, I don't want to get all smoke in my clothes. Well, you know, that's part of barbecue. Yeah. So they they tend to lean towards let the next person do it and I'll go enjoy. In in our case, thank goodness it's been Rodney Scott's whole hog barbecue. You know, if you don't feel like it because of the manual labor, we can help you out. And you said if someone has hair, that's a problem? Smoke gets all in your hair and it stays there. Yeah. See, I'm, I had like, hair I'm, a, I'm like a Chewbacca, so I'll be done. I'll be like smoking <laughs> like barbecue for like five months. <laughs> I've, I've, I used to have hair years ago. And I remember every time I would leave work, you could smell it all in my, my hair. So those of you that didn't know me a few years back, uh, I really did have hair. Okay. People believe that. It's okay. <laughs> the question I was going to ask, is there any parts, I know then you, you know, use the hawk for different things, but after you do the whole, the whole animal, is there any specific part that you really like? After we cook the whole animal and it's still sitting on that pit, I tend to go under the shoulder and right in the rib and belly area and grab little pinches and cuts out of that area to nibble on for myself. So that's that's one of my favorite parts to grab first, just mm -hmm. below the shoulder and right in the ribs, down to the belly area. That that's one of my favorite pieces. Other question I have for you: See, you're very famous, Ronnie. Everybody wanted to ask you questions, so I already asked Andrew Millen's question. He was here on the podcast. Other person was on the podcast is Joe Sasto, the pasta expert. He actually wanted to ask you if you. Did, I know you love cars. Maybe that can be the answer. But if you didn't go down this path of barbecue, what do you think? you'll be doing with your life? If I didn't go down this path of barbecue, I would probably be somewhere trying to build custom cars and yeah. trucks, trying to create unique vehicles that have the client's twist on it. I'm a lover of things with wheels. I remember as a kid, always wanting a Hot Wheel toy, always wanting to play with cars and even pretending to drive them when they're sitting there in the yard, you get there and pretend you're driving. You know, that was that was a passion. So I think I would probably be in the auto industry pushing big trucks along and, and, and custom vehicles. Now, shifting our conversation a little bit, Rodney, I want you to imagine an island. Is there an island that you really like? Man, I have yet to visit an island I didn't like. Um, Just one island. You don't have to say it. Just imagine that well, island. Okay, I'm on okay. this island. Okay. All right. The island is just for you and your loved ones. Okay. You go to that island and to that island, you can take with you one protein, which I'm pretty sure which one you're taking, one veggie, mm -hmm. one fruit, and one dessert. What do you take? My protein will definitely be pork. Didn't expect that. Yes. Well, how about your veggie? <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> my uh, my veggie would probably be um, asparagus. I, I tend to do a lot of asparagus and, and, and Brussels sprouts on the grill. What was the next one? Fruit. The fruit would probably be pineapple. I'm a lover of pineapples. The dessert. Oh, my goodness, man. Are you, are you taking the, the famous banana pudding or no? 
I, I would probably, yeah, yeah, I'd probably take the banana pudding and try to find some ice cream somewhere. I know I'm on an island and well, all, the, but uh, the logistics of that, then you figure out. You text me when you're yeah. there. Hey, Davis, <laughs> couldn't find anything. And the banana pudding for those, it's one of the trademarks you can also find on the book. Yeah, um, the banana pudding is definitely in the book. Yeah. What was your first memory of taste? Uh, one of the first thoughts I think about with memory of taste was when my mom, I must have been about six, either five or six years old, and my mom pinched off a piece of the barbecue and gave it to me. And I remember standing on her left side and she passed it to me and she said, wait a minute. She picked out the, the belly area that didn't have a lot of spice and she gave it to me and it was a little spicy for me and it was good. But then I wanted another piece. So that's when I knew, you know, I remember that one of those first tastes being this spicy cayenne piece of belly meat that I wanted another, I wanted more of. One of the other first tastes, man, must have been grandma's house when it, it, it was bacon. And at breakfast one morning, it was bacon and grits and some eggs. And another younger, one of my younger memories was fried chicken one afternoon after school at grandma's house. So those are one of the first few. Those are the first few that I remember tasting as a kid. The most underrated ingredient for you? One of the most underrated, ingre underrated ingredients is cayenne, I think. A lot of people look at cayenne as just a coloring or whatever. I love cayenne. In, in my opinion, I think cayenne is underrated and a lot of people should consider a little bit more of it because for me, it's great. I love it. Overrated ingredients. <sighs> Overrated ingredient. You want to shock the world and say hogs? Be like, what? I don't know, man. There's so many ingredients out there, you know, mm -hmm. some I have yet to put my hands on and, and, and experience with, experiment with, but uh, I don't know. It's a lot of them out there. I've visited other countries and found some great ingredients that I wish we had here. Um, well, is there any overrated ingredient or a protein or something that you like? Mm, it's too much. Uh, Be honest, no, again, Ron, I like it's to, okay. I mean, again, I like to eat. I hear a lot of people uh, talk about the difference in salts, the iodized versus the kosher. Man, I, that's all I got for it. I can't say. Everybody has an opinion. So... Mm -hmm. I, I have yet to see an ingredient as overrated. Okay, that's fine. The best breakfast you can have. The best breakfast you can have, in my opinion, is uh, thick cut bacon, scrambled eggs, and some grits. Cheesy grits or no? Not cheesy, just regular grits. Yeah, I'm just asking a question, Ron. Yeah, okay. stone ground grits. I'm sorry. The strangest combination food-wise when you see people putting two or three ingredients together that you just cannot accept? Hmm. Those are the questions. Man, those, those, those are some strange ingredients. Strange ingredients that go together. Uh, they don't have to be strange. You know, people like milkshake with french fries. I don't know. Some people do some, some things that I'm like, mm, for me at least. I've heard people saying popcorn in tomato soup. So they, there's just a lot. Wow. Yeah, see? <laughs> uh, wow. so I've heard you, hot sauce and popcorn, but yeah. Is there anything huh? that sometimes people do that you just like, like to yourself, you say, don't do this? Mm, I can't think of any, but there's been a few peanut butter and bananas. I still question. I never, 
never could find that combination. But I've seen a lot of strange things, man. Okay. (laughs) Wow. You floored me with that question. It's okay. The name of the podcast is Turning Chickens and Breaking Dishes. Those are actually two Portuguese phrases. Turning chickens means someone that has a lot of experience. And breaking dishes means someone that has exceeded all expectations. Do you think you've been turning more chickens or breaking more dishes? Both, coach. (laughs) That's a good good answer. And then at the end of the podcast, I always tell my my guests to sell their fish. So in Portugal, if someone tells you to sell your fish, that means to talk about yourself. You know, can we can adjust the version here to sell your hog? You know, where people can find you. A lot of people know you, but you know where people can find you. Where people can find your restaurant. Where people can find your book. Just sell your fish, Rodney. Oh man, I'm Rodney Scott, co-founder and pitmaster at whole at Rodney Scott's Whole Hog Barbecue in Charleston, South Carolina. Birmingham, Alabama, soon to be Atlanta, Georgia. You can find our book, Rodney Scott's World of Barbecue, Every Day is a Good Day, at some of your local bookstores, as well as your Barnes and Nobles, Amazon. If you if you care to visit us, you know, we're again, we're in Charleston at 1011 King Street. We're in Birmingham at 3719 Third Avenue South. And for our Atlanta folks, we're coming to 668 Metropolitan Parkway. That's where we are now. Come see me. We do whole hog. Pit cook whole hog. It's a difference you can taste. Come check us out. See what you think. We also have a menu of catfish, wings, turkey, beans, slaw, collard greens, cornbread. Um, We got you covered. We even have salad. (laughs) We even have salad, yes. Yes. Um, Rodden, this was a pleasure. Uh, Pleasure was all mine. I've been to your restaurant in Charleston, and it's really delicious. I love barbecue. I'm, I have a soft spot for barbecue, so it's it's delicious. The book is really good. I Thank do you so much. I do appreciate for coming on the podcast. And next time I'll go to Charleston, since we kind of know each other now. Then I'll yes. I'll let you know. And but thank you, thank you very much. This was a pleasure. Please do. Thank you for having me. Pleasure yeah. all mine. Bye. Did you like the interview? Huh? Me too. Thank you very much, Rodney, for coming on the podcast. Uh, folks, don't forget, if you want to support this podcast, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash dmartins so we can help improve this podcast, which is already great, but, you know, just saying. You also can follow the Instagram page at Turning Chickens Breaking Dishes. You can follow the Facebook page, Turning Chickens and Breaking Dishes. If you want to send me a question, if you have a suggestion for a guest or anything you would like to say, you can send me an email to info at turningchickensandbreakingdishes.com. I hope you miss me. I'll be back next week. Stay safe. Be happy. Adios.